Thank you. Turn, if you would, in your Bibles to uh, Daniel chapter 11. Daniel chapter 11. The seminar is, Why Should We Study the End Times? So, uh, I'm not going to be speaking about prophetic singing. That's next door. And hopefully you made it to the uh, end of the convention center knowing what you were coming to listen to. And this is not going to be an in-depth introduction to the end times. What I want to do is to give you something to whet your appetite to go deeper in the subject of the end times. We have so many resources on this subject of the end times for you to go as, uh, as deep or as shallow as you want. We have many resources. In particular, I want to highlight the Omega series that we have developed for, uh, as, as a primer or an introduction to the end times. It's a four DVD teaching series, uh, about eight teachings on it by Mike, and a big old fat study manual for you to uh, begin to go deep in some of these themes that I hopefully will show you this afternoon are some of the most critical themes to prepare us for what the Lord is about to do upon the earth. And I want to show you that it is actually not an option. Studying the end times for many people is the preserve of the kind of spiritual geek. I suppose one might say. That's how I observed it for a long time. I was like, I'm not going to get into that. The main and the plain to me of Christianity was preaching the gospel, ministering to the poor, healing the sick. I thought the end times was for something for people who did not believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and wanted something to fascinate their minds because they were curious and and kind of had that kind of mathematical type of bent about them. I mean, until about seven years ago, you you know, if you would talk to me about post-millennial, pre-millennial, amillennial, you know, I'd say, hey, I'm pan-millennial. It's all going to pan out in the end. But over the course of the last number of years, the Lord has made it clear to me that the study of the end times is not something that is an optional extra. Rather, it is critical that we give ourselves to understanding what the Bible says about this most important of periods in human history. How many of you would ever go on a journey in your car? Well, I mean, I suppose you wouldn't have a map and a compass these days. You'd have a GPS navigation system. But how many of you would ever go and set out on a journey and someone say, where you're going? And you say, well, I'm not really sure about it, but I guess it'll be all right in the end. No one. The idea is when you set out on a journey, you have a clear idea of where you're going to and you have studied the map or studied the directions and know how you're going to get there. And life is the same, and the Christian life is the same, and God's plan and purpose is just the same. God does nothing except that it has a purpose in end. The whole of redemptive history is heading towards a purpose, and yet most of the body of Christ is ignorant as to what that purpose is. And that purpose is set out in over a hundred chapters of the Bible which talk about this subject of the end times which is the time preceding and just after the return of Jesus to the planet. And these hundred plus chapters in the Bible, it's the most discussed subject in the Bible, the subject of the end times. It is the single most discussed subject. You say, oh, I thought Jesus was the most discussed subject. Yes, He is. 
But did you know that the subject of the end times is all about Jesus? If you just study the 89 chapters in the Gospels and think that is what Jesus is like, you've got a one-sided picture of Jesus. And most of the body of Christ is focused on the 89 chapters which picture the suffering servant and is completely ignorant of the hundred or more chapters that picture Jesus as a jealous bridegroom king who is coming to destroy the evil governments of the earth, set his people free and establish a kingdom that will last forever. And to many, when you even touch that kind of Jesus, you go, well, that's not the Jesus that I'm familiar with. Absolutely. But the Lord says, I want you to be familiar with that kind of Jesus because that is who Jesus is. And I want you to be familiar with this subject called the end times because if you are after my heart, you must know what my plan and my purpose is. You people who say, I want to pursue God. I want to be filled with the knowledge of His will. And yet we don't touch the subject of the end times. We are almost 100% illiterate of where this whole thing is going. And God says, you have a major role to play. And in the same way that you would never get into a car without knowing where you're going, we have to understand we are on a journey as the body of Christ and that journey culminates with the King of Kings establishing His kingdom over the whole earth. And there are many, uh, there is the most biggest crisis that the earth has ever known is going to precede that and most of us are entirely ignorant of it. And I was until just a few years ago. I was entirely ignorant. Mike began this group, this small group for a few of us to study the end times and I, I just remember it. I showed up. I was excited to study the end times. I was convinced it was important, but I had absolutely nothing to say. I was entirely ignorant of it. But as I began to go deeper and deeper in this subject, my heart became more alive. My life got more focused. I began to understand, wow, this is not something that is at the edge of God's purpose. This is about the very place that God's purpose is going. It is about the goal of history. It is about the purpose of redemptive history. It's the revelation of Jesus as the bridegroom, king, and judge at the end of the age. So I want to give you a little bit of a flavor of why, again, it's not just about fascination with Jesus. I believe there are some key reasons why we need to understand the end times related to what that time is going to look like. But turn with me again to Daniel 11. Verse 32, book of Daniel, book of Revelation, called, well, at least the latter half of the book of Daniel, all of the book of Revelation are about the end of the age. They're about this time period that we call the end times. Now, since the day of Pentecost, we have been living in what is known as the last days. But I believe we are very close to what is the return of Jesus and this period, this final period, this side of the return of Jesus, which is known as the end times, I believe there's some very clear signs in the natural and in the spiritual that we are fast approaching the end times or the day of the Lord or um, the eschaton is the theological term for it. The word eschatology basically means the study of the end times. The study of the eschaton or the time period preceding and, and just after Jesus' return. But the book of Daniel is a key book to know. 
book of Revelation is a key book to understand, as are Isaiah and Zechariah, the minor prophets, key chapters in the Gospels of Mark 13, Matthew 24 and Luke 21, Jesus' teaching on the end times, also key to know. But here we are in Daniel chapter 11, and he's speaking about a time when a man who is commonly referred to as the Antichrist will govern the nations of the earth. It's a real man. It's not a spirit. It's not a generic spirit, although there is the spirit of the Antichrist, which even now is at work in the earth. But there was one day when there is a real global leader that will emerge, known as the Antichrist, and his assistant will be a man who is known as the false prophet. The Bible is very, very clear on this. And in those days, it talks about how he will respond towards believers. And he says, those who do wickedly, he will corrupt with flattery. Those who don't want to serve God and His purpose, they will be deceived and they will go the way of the wicked. They will be corrupted by the charisma and the deception of this man. He will appear to be a man who has all the solutions to the problems of violence and terror and world uh, famine and poverty. He will be a man who shows up on the scene and it will seem that he is the answer to all of life's and all of the nation's greatest problems. And it will be tempting to say, look, who is like the... Well, it says who is like the beast. Because that's who he is. He is from the pit of hell. But they'll say, who is like this awesome man? We're going to throw our lot in with this man. Because why? Because he endorses them in the wicked intentions of their heart because at the deepest level of the human heart, what God is going to do, He is going to expose those who want to live righteously and He's going to expose those who truly want to live wickedly. I tell you, there is going to be no room at the end of the age for people walking in a religious spirit. For those who have the appearance of godliness but are not walking in the true desire to live a holy lifestyle, there is going to be no room for that kind of believer. You are either wholehearted for God or you are going to be wholehearted for the devil and for the Antichrist. So there's going to be a group of people who will be corrupted with flattery. However, the people who know their God will be strong and carry out great exploits. It's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Speaking of the time of the end when the church comes to the fullness of victory and power and glory. When it is the church pictured in Revelation 22 verse 17 who is in unity with the Holy Spirit crying out, Come Lord Jesus! We want You more than anything else. In the greatest darkness that the earth has ever known, there is going to be a shining beacon of light. It is called the body of Christ in unity with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit and the Bride cry, Come. The Spirit in the Bride crying out, Come Lord Jesus, anoint us with the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us make testimony that the Antichrist, He is not God, but Jesus, He is God. And He is coming to rule the earth with a rod of iron and destroy everything that stands in His way and establish justice and righteousness to the ends of the earth. 
there is going to be a people who operate not just in word and intellect as Christians, but in power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Book of Daniel says it like this, they will be strong and they will do great and mighty exploits, deeds, signs and wonders. There's going to be two in particular, two witnesses. It says they're going to have power even to call down fire from heaven. They're going to do the works of Elijah and Moses again. But I believe it's going to happen even throughout the whole body of Christ. That anointing of power and authority is going to rest upon those who know their God. Those who know their God. Those who are, the word is yada in Hebrew. Those who are intimately acquainted with their God. But to be no God is to know His ways. It's to know His plans. It's to have understanding of what He is wanting to achieve on the earth. It's being able to make sense of His activities in judgment. Because, beloved, God's activities in judgment are going to be a big surprise if we have not studied them beforehand. The way that God acts in human history in bringing judgment against wickedness is going to be a big surprise. People are going to say, how could a God of love allow this to happen on the earth? And the true answer is this. How could a God of love allow unrighteousness to continue indefinitely? Why should a God of love allow anybody to survive at all? See, God's goal ultimately in bringing judgment on the earth at the end times is to remove everything that hinders love for His Son. And that's going to take a lot of pain. But God is committed to using the least severe means to produce the greatest amount of love in the human heart for all eternity and He will not violate our free will. He will not go against our free will to do this. He answers the cry of the human heart whether we choose righteousness or whether we choose wickedness. God says if you want wickedness, you can have wickedness, but there are consequences. But if you want righteousness, you can shine like the stars of heaven. And beloved, I want to be one who at the end of the age, when the darkest hour of history is upon us, when the Antichrist is doing his worst, when it seems like the church will not prevail, that I'm saying, my God is coming to rule the earth. This man will not prevail. But he has a son, his name is Jesus, and he is going to govern the earth. And that I would be one in that day who would do great exploits and mighty deeds. And more than that, God is raising up a people. In verse 33 of our text here, it says, There are people who understand. It says, The people who understand will instruct many. Beloved, there are many who will not understand this subject. And God is raising up a people beforehand, much as He raised up John the Baptist before Jesus, much as He raised up Noah a hundred years before the flood, to instruct many and call many to righteous lifestyles of holiness and obedience, that they would avoid the coming judgment, they would avoid the coming deception, they would not faint in fear for all that is coming on the earth, but they would give themselves in wholehearted abandon to God. And God is raising up a people, and Daniel calls them the people who understand. 
It is those who have given themselves in advance to studying God's plan, to studying God's purpose for the end times, so they can explain it with clarity. So they can explain it to people who are bewildered and in confusion and they can make sense of all the events that are happening. God says, I'm raising up a people who will understand. God wants us to be filled with understanding of His ways. What is His purpose? The what of what God is doing in human history. Paul says in in Colossians chapter 1, he says, verse 9 through 11, he says, the way you can please God in your life is being filled with the knowledge of His will. I pray this, he says, that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will, with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why? So that you may walk worthy of the Lord and be fruitful in every good work. And beloved, we need to be filled with the knowledge of His will concerning the end times. Eschatology or the subject of the end times contains much information, not just about what God is going to do, but about how God is going to do it, and most importantly of all, why He is doing what He is going to do. It's not just enough to understand the what of God's plan, it is critical that we understand why He's doing what He's doing. If we don't understand why God is allowing judgments there in the book of Revelation, it talks about 21 specific judgments that are going to be released on the earth. Seals, trumpets and bowls. If we don't understand why God is doing that, beloved, we are going to be be tempted to be offended with Jesus' leadership. And God says, I don't want you to be offended with my leadership. I want you to be fascinated with my leadership and fall in love with me when you see me orchestrating my plan. But if you don't understand why I'm doing what I'm doing, you will be tempted to shrink back and think that I'm not in control and think that I don't know what I'm doing. God is in control. And God has given us, again, over a hundred chapters of the Bible. Talked to a friend, he counted 150 chapters of the Bible and their key theme is this subject of the end times. Now, if... The subject of the end times is something just for the curious. Why would God put a hundred chapters in the Bible? That's more than the Gospels. And really, most of us don't dare touch the end times with a barge pole. I don't even know if that's an American expression. I'm from England, incidentally. That's where I come from originally. But you know, it's like, just looking around the room, but there's a phrase that someone used with me the other day. I don't know if it's, Racist or not, (laughs) you'll understand what I mean, but they talked about the red-headed stepchild. This person, I'm not sure if they were a believer or not, but anyway, it's like eschatology is the red-headed stepchild of theology. (laughs) Apologies to any redheads here. I have a lot of good red-headed friends. But anyway, the, the analogy is this. It's the, I'm going to get far away from that. Anyway, it's like the area of theology that we don't want to touch. We think it's divisive. We think it creates debate. We think it creates argument. argument. We think it splits churches. And so we go, we're not going to touch that area of theology because it's going to create all kinds of strife and dissension. Beloved, 
if we understand the end times right, it will cause us to pursue God at a greater intensity, with greater wholeheartedness, to live holy lifestyles, to operate out of meekness, not a debating spirit. When we talk about studying the end times, we're talking about giving ourselves to the plan and purpose of God with an application in our lives today. One of the common objections, I'm going to give you two common objections to not studying the end times. And the first one is, it just is not relevant. It just isn't relevant. Beloved, it is the revelation of Jesus' heart. The subject of the end times reveals Jesus' heart and His leadership more clearly than any other subject in Scripture. Yet we're so focused on the suffering servant of the Gospels that we don't realize there are these hundred plus chapters which reveal our beautiful Lord Jesus more clearly than almost any other subject in Scripture. We say we want to know Jesus, but we say we don't want to know the end times. Well, it is His plan and it is His purpose. It is the, it is the where history is going. It is the where of where history is going. It is the goal of our salvation. It is the information about what our role is in this story. It gives us information about what part we play in this story. We say, I want to give myself to your purposes, God, but keep me away from eschatology. Lord says, you cannot give yourself to my purposes and be ignorant of what my purposes are. And most of us are. One of the major lies... And I say this with all due respect because there are many godly men and women who have held this theological position through the years. But I believe it is a deception in the body of Christ. And this objection to studying the end times, I believe, stems in part from the idea that has been propagated and made popular, particularly through the end time uh, left behind series by Tim LaHaye, That the church is not going to be here when the end time events unfold. Beloved, why would the Lord put a hundred chapters in the Word of God that are not relevant to our lives this side of eternity? Why would He give us chapter after chapter of instruction if we're going to be out of here before any of it comes to pass? The reason God put it in there is to prepare us for that time so that we would have a compass in the storm and we would have direction and we would not be offended and we would not fall away when many people are confused about what is going on. The idea of a pre-tribulation rapture I do not believe is found in Scripture. The idea that the church is going to secretly be taken out of here is not in Scripture. It is not a biblical idea. The idea of the rapture is a biblical idea. However, the rapture or the taking up of the saints happens at the end of a time called the Great Tribulation. What does that mean? It means that we go through the Great Tribulation. And if we're going to go through the Great Tribulation, what does that mean? We need to have a road map so we do not get confused and we do not fall away. 
Because, beloved, the Bible speaks so clearly about the love of many growing cold. Because wickedness abounds. It says many are going to faint because of fear of the things coming on the earth. It says many are going to be deceived and are going to go the way of wickedness. Because that was truly what they loved in their heart. Paul said in writing to the Thessalonians, He says, the day of the Lord is not coming until the man of lawlessness is revealed and until the time of the great falling away has happened. And the great falling away, I believe, will be many who have not studied this subject, who faint because of the fear that comes upon them, who are deceived into thinking that the the Antichrist actually is speaking the truth. That the Bible is actually not right because the Jesus that they see revealed in judgment is not the Jesus that they learned in Sunday school. We have to understand that Jesus has more than one face. Yes, He is the Son of Man. Yes, He is the humble King. But He is also the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the one that is coming back with a sword to judge the wicked. He is the one who is going to slay the wicked with the breath of His mouth. And He is going to judge everything that hinders love. And He says, I don't want you to be ignorant that that is also Me. And that everything I do, I do it because I love you. I want you to have a road map so you do not fall away in the storm. Beloved, I believe that there is every indication that we are in The generation of the Lord's return now. I like the way Mike says it. Mike says, I don't know if it's five years or if it's 50 years. Or if it's even longer. Or even shorter. I don't believe it's even shorter than five years. But I believe there are indications that we are in the generation of the Lord's return. Why do I say that? Well, the classic uh, argument that people make is about Israel. The creation of the state of Israel in 1948 and the sovereignty of the nation of Israel over the city of Jerusalem in 1967 paves the way for many of the end time events to come to pass. Most of the end time events are focused around the Jewish people living in the land of Israel and a Jewish leadership that has control over the city of Jerusalem. But almost 2,000 years, that has not been true. It was true in two generations since Jesus came to the earth. It was true in the generation of His first coming, and it is true in our generation today. Since 1948, beloved, we have moved a huge step closer to the coming of the Lord being a possibility in our generation. What does that mean? It means we need to understand the signs of the times. So you might say, well, what else? Well, Matthew 24 speaks about a key indicator of the Lord's return. It is this. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the earth and then the end will come. We are living in an unprecedented time of history. We are living in a day when the gospel has been preached in every political nation of the earth. 
All 200 plus nations of the earth have had a testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've talked with some of the leaders of organizations like Youth with a Mission. Now the word in Matthew 24 for nation is the word ethnos. It's the word for people group. But these missions agencies are already targeting and have a countdown for when every people group of the earth will have a testimony of the gospel. It is a matter of years and they believe and are committed to making sure the gospel is preached to every people group. Beloved, this is unprecedented in history. Jesus says, when you see these things happen, look up and know that your redemption is near. But so many of us are so unaccustomed to focusing on the end times that the end times might come upon us like a thief in the night. Beloved, if we understand that we are going to be going through the events of the Great Tribulation, the end times takes on massive significance for our lives. There is massive practical implication for our lives. If we are going to be living in the days of the greatest evil manifest on the earth, if we are going to be living in the days when persecution touches the lives of all believers, it is coming to America. That is not a prophetic word. That is a statement of fact. You will be hated by all men for my sake, Jesus said. America is not going to be a safe haven for believers anymore. You are not going to be able to stand and say, well, I'm American so I can worship God in freedom. Beloved, persecution even now is touching our shores in subtle ways, but it will come more overt as we approach the time of the end. If we are going to go through times of darkness, the judgments of God released on the earth, deception rampant, We need to have a compass for the storm. We don't need to have smoke in our eyes. We don't need to have the smoke of confusion in our eyes. We need to have clear sight and clear understanding so that we can stand and so that we can save the lives of many believers with us. Beloved, there is judgment that is decreed for the nations. Again, that is not prophetic. That is just looking at the sheer facts of the wickedness. The earth, this nation, the nations of the earth are groaning under the weight of wickedness and the Bible is clear that there is a day of reckoning coming. Yes, God is a merciful God, but there is a day coming which is spoken of again throughout the Old and the New Testament. It is called the day of the Lord. It is the day when God will say, enough is enough, and will say, I am going to release my judgments on the earth. I am going to make wrong things right, but people are going to die in that process because wickedness is so great. There was a day in Israel's history where the day of reckoning came. The Bible says that God sent prophets early, rising early to warn Israel, judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. But they would not listen. They would not hear. They thought, well, no, every day is just the way it's always been. But you know what happened? Judgment came. And they got carried away in captivity. And the temple was destroyed. And then some several hundred years later, it happened again. 
Jesus prophesied, you did not know the time of your visitation, Israel. Therefore, you're going to be carried away again. We have to understand, if we are going to be those who are prophetic messengers to our our generation, we have to understand this subject of the end times. Our behavior, how we live, the choices we make, is determined by what we believe. The way that we spend our time and our money, the way that we give our energy to the place of prayer or to the place of entertainment is determined by what we believe about God's plan. If we do not have a theology, and theology we go, oh, you go, a lot of you look at me and go, theology? I'm not into theology. Theology is the study of God and God's plans for the earth. Every one of us is a theologian, just some of us have bad theology and some of us have slightly better theology. I'm not saying who the us is. Some of you probably have much better theology than me. But if our theology is off, our choices in life will be off. If we believe tomorrow is going to be the same as today and and the day before that, we will not give ourselves urgently to studying the Scriptures and to preparing our lives in holiness and righteousness and fervent prayer. We will not do that if we think it is going to stay the same for generation after generation. But if we believe we are living in the generation in which the greatest deception known to man is going to cover the earth, the judgments of God are going to be released against wickedness and many will be deceived, we will give ourselves urgently to the place of preparing ourselves in the Word and in prayer and going, what in the world is this end times thing about? What is this thing that that Wes Hall talked about, the Great Tribulation? What is this guy called the Antichrist? Who is he? And how can I make sure I stand in the storm? Beloved, our theology dramatically affects the way we give ourselves to God in extravagant obedience. And in joyful love. So the first objection to the end times is that it's not relevant. The second main objection to studying the end times is this. It can't be understood. You know, know, it, it can't be understood. It's mostly symbolic, all that language in the book of Revelation. You know, I can't understand it unless I go and get a PhD from that seminary down the road. Did you know the Bible was written to be understood by ordinary people? The Bible was written to be understood by you and by me. That is awesome. I didn't realize that. When I realized the Bible meant what it said and said what it meant, it opened my eyes to most of Scripture. That includes the times and the dates. You know when it says, there will be rivers that flow in the wilderness... Part of that is talking about spiritual renewal. You can apply it to the spiritual renewal of your heart, but you know what's going to happen? When Jesus returns, He is going to make real rivers flow in real deserts. His plan is to restore the whole earth. When it says that the Great Tribulation will last for three and a half years, it really means it will last for three and a half years. When the Bible speaks of an Antichrist, It really means there is going to be a man who will corrupt many with his deception. 
The Bible means what it says and it says what it means. I want to give you an example of this. You know, I can't understand the Bible. You know, I, I read, you know, the prophets and, you know, what does it mean? It talks about, you know, oaks of righteousness and the planting of the Lord and it talks about cities being rebuilt. What does it mean for a city to be rebuilt? Well, it means a city will be rebuilt. With silver and gold, yes. How do I know it's so precisely accurate? Because prophecies have already been fulfilled with precise accuracy. If some of those prophecies had not yet been fulfilled, we'd go, well, maybe, you know, maybe. It... I'll give you an example in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. talks about a king coming on a donkey into Jerusalem. It says, behold your king, he's coming on a donkey. Now, if that was one of those unfulfilled prophecies, we'd look at that prophecy and go, well, donkey, what does a donkey symbolize? I better get my five commentaries by all those guys with PhDs so I can figure out what a donkey is. You know what Jesus did? He rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. What, you mean Jesus actually fulfills Scripture? You mean that verse actually meant what it said? Yes, the virgin will be with child. She will give birth. Well, it doesn't really mean a virgin. It means a this or that or the other. What happened? The virgin was with child and gave birth to a son. And they called him Jesus. And he was Emmanuel, God with us. And if one or two prophecies have been fulfilled at face value, why should we not assume that every single prophecy will not be fulfilled like that? The Bible says the day of the Lord is coming. God is going to give voice before His army, great and strong, the like of which has not been seen before upon the earth. Antichrist is going to lead an army. God is going to orchestrate events that are surprising to us. Do you know it's the Lord who is raising up the Antichrist? I mean, if that's something that causes your heart to be offended, wait for the rest of it. Beloved, we can understand the Scripture. When it says Jerusalem, it doesn't mean the church, although we can take some of the promises and apply them to the church. When it says Jerusalem, it means Jerusalem. When the Lord says He is going to raise up Jerusalem like a shining lamp to the nations, it means He is going to restore that city in the Middle East. God is committed to fulfilling every one of His promises. The book of Revelation He's coming on a white horse. What does that mean? Well, what did it mean when it said he was coming on a donkey? He's coming on a white horse. He's coming to destroy his enemies. He's coming to remove everything that hinders love. The Bible says what it means, and it means what it says. That means not only do we have no excuse for understanding the end times, means we must give ourselves to them. It is not that difficult. Some things are meant to be understood symbolically, but usually the symbols are explained in Scripture. And Jesus gave us so much information about the end times because He requires us to understand the signs. Why would Jesus... You know, I mean, Jesus, His disciples come to Him and say, what will be the signs of your coming? And Jesus didn't say, well, you'll know when it happens. 
No, He gave them specific signs. Why? Because He says, you will know the season when I come. You may not know yet the day or the hour, but I believe even that we may well know before it's all over. At the time of Jesus, no one knew the day or the hour. I'm not saying we will know the day or the hour, but I believe what Jesus gave us in Matthew 24 is clearly to tell us we are supposed to understand the signs of the times and the signs of His coming. He gave a parable in Matthew 24, verse 32. He's he's just given a whole list of signs. You know, you'll be persecuted, you'll be hated by all nations, the gospel will be preached in all the earth, etc., etc., etc. Now, he says, learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. He says, you guys wander around the land and... You know, you're, you're waiting for the figs to come on the tree and you go, oh, look, the figs are going to be coming soon because the leaves are on the tree. What day are they going to come? I'm not sure, but I know it's going to be soon. So I better get my old fig jam out of the fridge so I can make some new fig jam because the new ones are coming. It says, you know, when the, when, the, when the leaves are coming, it's happening soon. It says, so too. When you see these events that I have told you about beforehand, Know that my coming is near. It is at the door. Beloved, we have no excuse. And Jesus tells us to watch and prepare for His coming. He says, watch and prepare. Watch and wait. Make yourselves ready that you are not offended, that you do not shrink back in fear. Understand the road map. Because I want you to be with me where I am. I want you to be looking for my coming, not weighed down with the cares of the world, not weighed down with desires for other things. I want you to understand what the day of my coming looks like so that you can be prepared, so that you can prepare others, and so that rather than shrinking back, you can operate in a spirit of boldness and authority and the testimony of Jesus in that day. Paul says this as well. You go, well, Jesus, maybe Jesus got it wrong. No, Jesus didn't get it wrong. Paul understood. He says to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, concerning the times and the seasons, you have no need that I should write to you. Why? For you know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. You go, ah, see, it comes as a thief in the night. We can't know. He says... But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are not in darkness. We have the Spirit of God living in us. We have a Spirit who will reveal to us the plans and purposes of God so that we may stand and so that we may bear fruit. It is possible to know the generation in which the Lord returns. And God promised to give prophetic signs in the generation of His return as an expression of His mercy so that we can prepare for His coming. So that we can prepare for His coming and not be taken by surprise. Taken out in judgment. I want to outline very quickly as we close here five key benefits of studying the end times. Some I've touched on already. Five key benefits 
In answer to the question that Joel poses related to the fear, related to the day of the Lord in Joel chapter 2, Joel asks this question. He says, the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? Who can endure it? And those who possess understanding of the times and the seasons, those who give themselves to a life of diligent study and fasting and prayer and ask for the spirit of revelation to usher them into understanding of the end times, can have these five benefits. Number one, they will have confidence in the hour of trial. They will have confidence in the hour of trial. In the hour where many fall away, we will stand if we have understanding. It will keep us steady in the hours of trouble. Jesus says many will not have faith. He says, will the Son of Man find faith on the earth? Will He find a people who are steady? There is going to be a great falling away, but if we have understanding of what is going on around us, we will stay steady and have confidence in the hour of trial. Benefit number two. Benefit number two, we become a people of understanding who prepare others. We become messengers who are filled with right understanding of God's will and are able to instruct others concerning the hour in which we live. Beloved, the prepared prophetic church alone will have those answers in the days ahead. The prepared prophetic church alone will have the answer to keep many from being offended at why God would allow these events to happen. And that preparation starts with taking the word, with going, God, help, I don't understand this. Crying out in prayer. You go, God, I still don't get this. You add fasting to it. You add giving to it. You add a Sermon on the Mount lifestyle to it. God breaks in with an angelic encounter, fills your spirit with revelation and understanding. Why? So that you can be prepared and so that you can prepare others. And God is looking for the watchman who will listen understand and proclaim God's purposes, who know the times and the seasons as John the Baptist did. God is going to raise up the, the man of Issachar. First Chronicles 12. The man of Issachar who understand the times and the seasons and knows what Israel or knows in our day what the church should do. God wants men and women prepared ready to preach, proclaim, and pray. The third benefit, just quickly, we become urgent in intercession. When we are confident that God has decreed judgment, we become urgent for God to delay that judgment. Even for God to push back that judgment from specific geographic areas. It has happened before in history. Judgment was decreed over Judah in, 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 in uh, 600 something B.C. Judgment was decreed. And God raised up a man called Josiah. And what did God do? God showed a window of mercy to that generation that many could be saved before the judgment finally came. Joel chapter 2 is about a people who understand that the day of the Lord is at hand, cry out, and perhaps the Lord will show mercy to a generation. Perhaps... He is gracious. He is merciful. He is slow to anger and of great kindness. Who knows if He will turn and relent? And beloved, we need more than ever in our nation a window of mercy. 
And that window of mercy needn't be a small window. It could be a nationwide window of mercy for months or even years if the church will pray and turn to God and cry out for mercy instead of judgment. And the Lord will give us a season of mercy before the window closes and the judgment finally comes. The fourth benefit, we understand that what we are doing now continues into the age to come. We live in light of eternity. And the fifth benefit, and the most important benefit, we fall more in love with Jesus if we study the end times. We become fascinated with His love. We become fascinated with His leadership. You know, how can you know someone fully if you don't even know what is on their heart and what they want to do? And many of us have such a small view of Jesus and the major revelation in Jesus, in, of, of Jesus, of the Messiah in the Scripture is of this warrior king who is coming for his bride, who is coming to destroy all unrighteousness and establish a kingdom of righteousness over the whole earth. Beloved, that is the goal of studying the end times ultimately. That we fall more in love with Jesus. That we become fascinated with Him and His ways. Amen and amen. Let's stand and pray. Father, we love You. We say we do not want to be those who are illiterate in these days. We do not want to be illiterate about the uh, time of Your return. And I ask that You would release skill to understand these days. Upon this people here, You would give us skill to understand. God, You would give us a passion for Your Son and for His purposes in the earth. Like never before, we say we need that roadmap. We need that compass. In Jesus' name. Amen. So one minute, one minute before you go.